talk about the lyrics for um it's time to go first mm-hmm. where she says when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not in fact what she seemed not a twin from your dreams she's a crook who was caught so it's interesting that she calls her her sister and her twin um but you had an interesting take on that those terms right madison so this line always to me was like Taylor trying to make it very clear that she is distanced from Carly now trying to make it clear to both Hitlers and Gaylers that like this relationship is over and I no longer associate myself with Carly because I see her as a crook um but then I don't remember which song this is in happiness she says I can't make it go away by making you a villain I guess it's the price I pay for seven years in heaven um which of course seven years in heaven that's that's a game that you play in the closet seven minutes in heaven where you go into a closet with someone yeah and see what happens in the seven minutes um but then her saying I can't make it go away by making you a villain and then proceeding to write it's time to go and putting that at the end of the album so it's like you can't make it go away by making her a villain but then at the end of the album you go on to say she's still a crook uh she still is the villain so it's sending very mixed signals to me and then to turn back again with um right where you left me which is like the exact opposite perspective of it's time to go like it's time to go is like this is about cutting off a relationship being done moving on forgetting them and then right where you left me is about being unable to move Mm -hmm. on and like I'll read some lyrics like just just before you do Sam I just want to say this this whole this whole thing is why I relate so much to her and also why I've been critical is because of how raw she is about putting out these intense and often contradictory emotions and then it's easy when you see that to be like oh but that doesn't make sense because you said this and now you're saying this but it's like that's what we all do and anytime you know anyone's been hurt it's like you'll go through this moment of being like oh I forgive them and then you're like wait no I don't like back and forth so I find that so like um, vulnerable of her to put that out there yeah feelings are so multifaceted and happen all at once and we talked about that actually in our recent like evermore queer analysis we were talking about how she just like perfectly encapsulates the cycle of grief in this album because she goes from acceptance to denial to anger to all of these different stages of the cycles of grief and yeah it's perfectly represented with this conversation right now about just like girl is she a crook or is she or are you making her a villain because you're trying to make it go away like yeah yeah it it is so nuanced and um so so many people have talked about the lyrics friends break up friends get married strangers get born strangers get buried you know being about Carly probably breaking up with Taylor and then getting married to Josh um and then to go on to say I swear you could hear a hairpin drop right where I felt the moment stop glass shattered on the white cloth everybody moved on but I stayed there um it's it's understood that the glass shattered on the white cloth is you know referring to a Jewish wedding and Madison maybe you could describe a little bit about hairpin drop and its meaning which I only recently found out about um yeah so when the riots at Stonewall happened there was an essay published shortly after kind of just recounting the experiences of uh, one person that was there and it's on the Stonewall website now and it's called the hairpin drop heard around the world um the Stonewall riots that's like the title of it so um her saying uh, you could hear a hairpin drop um while talking about 
being stuck in a restaurant, which Stonewall is like a bar, I guess, but um, not to mention dropping hairpins is queer coding for like, is it safe for me to come out? Um, like it's sort of like used in the context of little hints. Yeah, I'm dropping hairpins to see if she'll pick up on it. Type of deal. Like, are there were there clues mm-hmm. I didn't see? <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and that's and that's this is why you are a Taylor historian. Like, yeah, connecting all these things. Well, is, Taylor's is the a historian. She's the she's the one that is educated on all of these queer codes and history, like historical references, and I just make the connections you know like that's the best part is taylor's the one that knows all of this and that's even the more exciting part to, you know yeah. yeah she has a lot of rich references literary historical poetic artistic references in her work which makes it so fun to analyze but she also says she's still 23 inside her fantasy in this song like when you were sitting in front of me back when i was the one you want like and she did meet Carly when she was 23 like a month before she turned 24 and that year the 1989 era was when her fame like exploded when she moved from country to pop and you uh, your pod helped me remember that in Miss Americana Taylor actually says that she feels frozen at the age she was when she became ultra famous whereas we had talked about that as like a theory that we subscribe to Taylor but we didn't realize that she had actually like I didn't remember that she had actually said it about herself yeah and she talks about how she has to like unlearn all of this and like regrow up again and I think that's why she references like Peter Pan in like Cardigan and stuff um and just a lot and in The Archer she says I never grew up you know um but I also just want to mention I know that this is a Taylor episode but and this might this might cause some friction here but I don't think right where you left me is about Carly Madison, we are here for any like all theories. Like I said, Hitlers have left the chat. Right, like, yeah, you're go. right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into my whole Swift Gron thing because this is the Kaler episode. But I'm like Swift Gron Endgame. Like I fully believe in Swift Gron. I'm Same. number one Swift Gron stan. Um, and I do think that this song is more about Diana than Carly. I think it very well could be about Carly too. Obviously, no one will ever know the truth. I always just say that. But like, I do think her feelings with the Carly situation could have been inspired like in the song but I think that the song is about Diana Diana also had a Jewish wedding after they broke up which they broke up when Taylor was 23 um because Diana is Jewish um so she got married very shortly after which would add up with the line you told me that you met someone whereas Josh and Carly were together pre Taylor and Carly even Mm -hmm. really interacting so um yeah, that's just my my little two cents on why I don't think it's about Carly necessarily, but I think it is. Love it. I think it's meant to be about both. I think it's meant to secretly be about her feelings with Diana and meant for the public to read it as about Carly and for Gaylers and all that to read it as about Carly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just generally about like that being such a high point in her life at 23 when things were good and maybe feeling like now just stuck kind of wanting to go back also there. fantasy fantasy like the victoria's secret fashion show in that interview where <laughs> she's like there's all these there's all these ladies walking around in robes it's like an actual fantasy <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally and also like just from like a friendship perspective you know she has talked so much about growing up and feeling alone and feeling like an outsider and so then to have the squad before kind of people turned on the squad 
like what what was such an important moment for her where I feel like she was like finally like I'm with I'm I'm, cool. I have this great group of friends yeah I'm cool I'm one of the cool kids now we're cool we we show up you know and waving our flag and do our fourth of July parties and then it crumbled it so quickly mm-hmm. she has a poem during the reputation era that was published in her zine and she says like no amount of um, new friends will fill your love lunch tables from your past and I think that yeah. it goes along with what you're saying exactly and it's proof that you know she did feel like this squad was kind of her her redemption after like not having a great experience in school growing up not having friends and like sitting alone at lunch and all of that and yeah. right where you left me is on her ladies lunching chapter by the way just to put that out there um so <laughs> two people in right where you left me are ladies lunching <laughs> just important to know yeah. oh yeah that much we do agree on yeah. it is like let the record Definitely. state let the record let show. the record um, show the mascara was running one last thing about Kaler is that iris apatow had these likes when folklore came out and she dated joe's brother joe alwyn's brother and she liked two things saying Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss are in a relationship and folklore is an ode to cottagecore lesbians and that Betty is the new gay anthem. Don't be spreading any of that male POV shit or you will be crucified. <laughs> That's loud. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know how people, I know, I know that um, Iris dated Joe's brother. I don't know where that was reported on though. I mean, I'm sure it was, but I, I never read right. about it until I found out Iris was, had these likes and stuff. Um, just like mentioned, Olivia Rodrigo is her bestie and she also is a gayler and she, um, her TikTok likes when she first got TikTok were public. Cause I don't think she knew, um, <laughs> that you had to private your TikTok likes and we love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Taylor didn't know. Um, but no one tell her guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin this for us <laughs> but she um yeah she had a bunch of tiktok likes that were all these like obscure gayler accounts that, like making the most like the funny like shit post gayler accounts not even like the lyric analysis like it's super official gayler like it was literally like 20 likes these accounts had you know so she was deep amazing in gayler tiktok olivia rodrigo and they apparently have had a falling out. And um, I don't know if you guys know, like, know about yeah. this or what, but mm-hmm. I had heard that like some people think it's because uh, Taylor came back and demanded credit for, um, for Deja Vu. Deja Vu, right. To say that the shouting in the bridge was inspired by Cruel Summer. And now that now she gets like 33% of the royalties or something yeah. like that. Um, it's Taylor being a capitalist. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that actually when we were talking about this whole capitalist thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to just go back to Betty for a second oh, because yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's let's go back to Betty. Let's, we love it Betty. Always goes we back do a, to Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the smoking gun, if there ever was just one to choose, oh. it would be Betty. Um, but when she performed it, I think it was at, was it at the Country Music Awards? Mm-hmm that felt like such a bold statement what do you think about that (laughs) I I love that performance it's one of my favorite Taylor Swift performances ever it was another moment during the whole folklore like era where I was officially on board like I was like okay I'm back to being a Swifty now because this woman is feeling so much while singing about a woman like it's not male pov like everyone is saying there's no fucking way and this was like pre-long pond i think too pre the explanation and 
everything and I immediately noticed the guitar rainbow rainbow guitar strings and I was just like she's she's playing on this like empty stage just the spotlight on her sitting on a stool like so simple and this black guitar or I think it was black and the only thing that you really see is just Taylor and her guitar and the guitar had rainbow guitar strings and I was like wow good good eye well well and oh my god okay amazing observation and also what felt so poignant to me about it was that it was at the country music awards Mm -hmm. which is really a genre that's known for still rampant homophobia and the fact that Betty wasn't a single but she was like this is the song I've chosen it was a single explanation that's the thing it was was a single sent to country radio specifically Uh, and the the one country song yeah she explained it on a country radio station when it kind of premiered as a single she did a like hetero explanation there too uh, very similar to long pond where she was like this is from the perspective of a 17 year old boy named james and she's like and that's when it premiered on country radio and i'm like well of course she gave that explanation because it was sent to country radio (laughs) yeah and it's funny to me how she always says i'll never say what the songs are about i'll never say who it's about i'll never really explain the lyrics but then with Betty, she's like, it's a, it's a boy named James. 17 year old boy perspective. perspective. Yeah. And actually Joe Alwyn wrote it. So it's, it's, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And she goes back <laughs> about that a lot too. Like, did Joe write it? Did he write the music? Like she just like makes shit up. I don't know. It's very confusing. The story has changed. That is important to know. Yes. And I also just love the simplicity, the simplistic fact that James, Inez and Betty are named after girls, three girls that are the daughters of Blake Lively. Yep. So it's like that in itself to me is a wink and a nod. Yeah. Yeah. The legacy of Blake Lively's real life human children eventually going to grow up and be adults like and all being women is going to last a lot longer than any of her weird hetero explanations on country radio or in long pond studio sessions. I can assure you that. That's that's true. And I could see her planning 18 years ahead in terms of her legacy <laughs> totally she is she is brilliant like that mm-hmm. she has like a whole PR scheduled probably 18 years from now for <laughs> an interview with the three girls so like <laughs> <laughs> and she'll come out to them but like when they're grown up and, and that'll be, the be interview. her yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> praying for that manifesting that wanted to talk about the interview with Aaron Dessner for, for Vulture mm. briefly um where he so he was a producer and co-writer on Folklore and Evermore and he was asked is Betty queer canon and he said I can't speak to what it's about I have my own ideas I also know where Taylor's heart is and I think that's great anytime a song takes on a greater meaning for anyone he was also asked is William Bowery secretly Joe Alwyn and he says I don't know we're close but she won't tell me that I think it's actually someone else but it's good to have some mysteries thoughts first of all poor Aaron being on the front lines being asked these questions like he's probably like yeah sweating bullets because he knows he's like Taylor's lawyer is like holding a gun to his head but um and the NDAs yes yes um something interesting to note for context is that Vulture has posted posted has published a lot of pieces um Gaylor related and Gaylor adjacent yes Vulture is like the Gaylor publication like that the Reddit has kind of used time and time again to be like lol Vulture's at it again like outing Taylor yeah so I love (laughs) that they asked Aaron all these questions um and secondly (laughs) it's so interesting that he says Taylor 
you know, hasn't told me that it's Joe. But then in Long Pond, she's like, and William Bowery is Joe, as we all know. And yeah. I talk about this a lot, but it's so telling because I am so into body language and stuff. Erin is so visibly anxious and uncomfortable in every time she talks about William Bowery, he's shaking his leg, he's sipping his wine after every sentence that she says, he's like staring off into space, like he's not saying a word. And Jack, Jack Antonoff as well, like they both are squirming Jack around. Jack is chaotic when... energy, like Aaron's very anxious <laughs> and then Jack is over there like, like lyrics to Jesus, he wrote the lyrics to, that's crazy. He's like, I'm doing a bit, I'm doing a bit, Taylor. And Taylor's just like, Jack, stop. <laughs> Remember when we all agreed that it's William Bowery because we all know that? That's exactly Remember? Taylor's eyes. That's what she's saying. She's like, shut the fuck up. Um, no, but yeah, Aaron is also the only one not listed as a producer in Long Pond Studio Sessions. Like Jack is, Taylor is, Taylor's brother and her mom and her lawyer are, and Tree Payne, but not Aaron. Not Aaron. Bizarre. Yeah. Very bizarre. There's there's so many mysteries and the William Bowery mystery looms largest of all. The insane Grammy gate situation, I feel we should yeah, touch we have on to. it that's it's essential we have to we must um madison please take us through <laughs> take it, it away <laughs> take it away so <laughs> grammy gate was actually my um i was a toe truther till grammy gate i was fully in on invisible string being this romantic sweet little song to joe in the midst of the sad album that she was writing about fictional things happening like that was really my mm. um my prerogative and then grammy gate happened and i was just like this doesn't make sense taylor would not give like writing credit or producing credit to her boyfriend after the fact of a win um if it was not some sort of contract binding them and that's the invisible string by the way is the freaking contract not <laughs> not fate um but so grammy gate Basically, his Joe William Bowery's um, producing credits were added after the fact that Folklore won a Grammy. Um, of course, he was like credited for writing a couple of songs, but it wasn't until after they won that he was credited for producing and just enough songs on the album that it was a third of the album in order for him to get his own award. That's like the criteria. The only time this has happened in history was with Beyonce um, getting credits for Blue Ivy on one of her music videos or something. So this is not something that just happens. And it's something that was really just forgotten about in like the music um, sphere in general. Like, I don't think Swifties talk about it enough, but let alone, I don't think the industry is talking about it enough because it's so suspicious. Like I'm a fan of Taylor, but someone needs to investigate that. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. but the fact that no one's talking about it is what's so telling to me that it's clearly some sort of contract between her and Joe um, where maybe they're bearding and this is kind of the reward that he gets for doing this for so long and for sacrificing like his whole life and being managed by Taylor's PR team exclusively and like all of this um he gets he gets a, a little treat yeah he's a he, he's a better beard than Calvin Here's Harrison a little crumb for you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah um there was one prize she'd cheat to win you know um <laughs> yeah but then the the evidence that really got me just along with like the intuitive feelings of like something is off here is the copyright credits for the songs that William Bowery is credited on actually list William Bowery as Willem Bowery, 
which why is there a typo in a copyright registry? What? And Willem Bowery is a U.S. citizen listed on the copyright registry. And you can't lie on that. So, and Joe Alwyn is well, not a U.S. Yeah. citizen. So. No. No. Um, and it would be, he would be then credited twice. Like, because he is credited as Joe. Yeah, Joe is in the Grammy things. He's even in some Spotify credits and some Genius credits and like all these other things. But when it comes down to the legality of wow. it, he is and not credited on folklore. Yeah, so there's three There's three entities, Joe, Willem, and yeah. William. And not to mention too that Taylor is the queen of misspelling things on purpose to mean something or capitalizing yeah. certain letters or just spelling it in a way that's like oh well that means it's actually not this word it's this street and you know on and on like that and so it just seems interesting that she would say it's William Bowery and then it's Willem on the copyright and like maybe that was set up or maybe that was just a screw up you know like everyone could be I guess like a, everyone slips up sometimes it's kind of a careless screw up for her on a copyright registry remember she's a capitalist and the copyright tells of oh. where this <laughs> the money goes to for the streaming um like who the publishing rights goes to is who gets money even if that spelling was a mistake the U.S. citizenship yeah. is not so regardless a U.S. citizen contributed writing and possibly producing to this album and we don't know who that is my crack yeah. theory and i say crack theory because it's just like it there's no evidence based in this it's just like my brain making connections she it's had just vibes yeah it's just vibes straight vibes um <laughs> she had said something about woodvale a while ago which is like it was accidentally printed the word woodvale on her folklore oh. um albums and she said you know well Woodville was just a placeholder for the actual title folklore because I thought I wanted folklore on the album cover originally um because they have the same amount of letters so it was a a fill-in space and then she says it again they had the same amount of letters um and I counted and Willem has the same amount of letters as Taylor William does not <gasps> dun 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 <laughs> so I okay I think Taylor <laughs> could be could be William Bowery I think she just had to give a man's perspective and William Bowery was the best way to go about that. Yeah. And not, this doesn't, this is kind of neither here nor there, but I have not let Woodvale go. I still feel burned by it. That there wasn't a third album, but I also think that I'm not excluding that in the future. Like Same. maybe after all the re-releases, <laughs> I can't let it go. I'll never give up. No, I think, <laughs> never give I up. think that's the one in 18 years that like, I oh. think, I think Woodvale <laughs> will come out in, you know, like a long, long, long time. And then she's just going to like disappear after Woodville comes out. Um, there's this really interesting like kind of pat photos of Carly walking down Cornelia street wearing like her workout gear um and the whole story was like Carly's out for a run in the West Village which gives very illicit affair vibes right tell your friends you're out for a run oh yeah uh, yes you'll be flushed when you return which why is she out for a run with Taylor's bodyguard with her I don't know oh good point and oh oh yeah and then also the city screams your name has do we look at joe alwyn's face and think screaming new york city that's my favorite <laughs> or, thing or that he, that's he's my the west favorite village because <laughs> joe is just like 
he said in an interview before too like someone was like New York or London and he was like I don't like New York London and then like yeah <laughs> and then there's another video there's actually two interviews where they ask him if he would do musicals or if he likes to sing in like both of the interviews and he's like no he's like people don't want to hear me I can't sing like I can't I don't do music that's not my thing and it's just like oh, Mr. William mm-hmm. Bowery if you're helping her produce and write illicit affairs which William Bowery I think is credited on illicit affairs of all songs then like what do you mean what do you mean you wouldn't do a musical well the fact that taylor said she heard him sing (laughs) the fully formed chorus to betty is the most absurd thing i have ever heard that a man would just who has no like ability to sing would just burst out a completely original song word for word just in the kitchen while taylor's nearby it's i'm always like joe needs to switch careers if he really wrote all these songs like what the fuck if you're writing champagne problems you should probably be making music mr william bowery and i've i've seen the man act in the favorites and he ain't winning an oscar (laughs) i'm just gonna put i'm sorry like i feel like he wants one because that's one theory of why he would even bother to go through with grammy gate for the egot yeah, for the ego. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's it's interesting because when she was first talking about um, like him singing that, I was still taking that at face value. Like it's it feels like it's not Me that too. long ago that I guess I came over to this camp and I was like, wow, who I, I've been thinking that he's kind of like this lame guy in the background, but like turns out, wow, he's really he's really talented. Um, and yeah. and it's funny because like I was on that camp for so long, um, not because I was like no, there's no way she's getting, but I was just like, there, there could be a case that you could make for me and any of my friends. If you followed us around with cameras and you could make the case that we're in a secret relationship. And like Sam and I probably texted a full novel back and forth about this going back and forth. And we're like, but you know, you could make that case for Mm -hmm. anyone who's close, especially like good friends. And, you know, and so that's why I just never really gave uh, into the rumors but it's like this mountain of information that once you actually like start climbing the mountain you're like oh my god this is so much more than just um two gal pals out getting coffee and people like yeah. being like look they're on a date you know mm-hmm. yeah no yeah I mean <laughs> sorry just back to these photos of Carly out on a run on Cornelia street <laughs> They crack me up because it's like a photo during the day of her like walking and like her hair is all nice, whatever, with Taylor's bodyguard. And then the next photo of her from that day is at night and her hair is like all fucked up and like her her jacket's like unzipped and she looks all like flushed and like disheveled. Like you'll be flushed when you return and her water bottle is still full. (laughs) Like (laughs) I don't know. That just really cracks me up because it's just it's so clearly like illicit affairs which I, I just had this oh. I just had this flash of of Brokeback Mountain when she like hides the thing in his tackle box and then she sees that the whole fishing trip like he hasn't opened the tackle box it's like wouldn't you get thirsty on a run if you were out all day on a run exactly like, I don't know <laughs> why are you running but, on Cornelia Street like how, <laughs> how and also who's sneaking who's sneaking in through the garden gate every summer or every night that summer I've never seen Joe yeah. at a garden gate I've seen these two at a garden gate. Yeah, and Taylor wasn't sneaking into Joe's garden gate because I know that man cannot afford a West Village park. <laughs> no, like, no, he can't afford the, a garden. No, and the most no. we've seen really of Joe is him standing at Taylor's concert just looking like he does not want to be there. Dead inside. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's just like him being really British or, but he's not, <laughs> I, I can say my half, my family's British and like, yeah. <laughs> it is just a repressed culture, but oh, yeah. I, <laughs> but, but also, I mean, he just doesn't seem like a real fan yeah, or a real supportive partner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys talked about this on, on your pod, how like kind of one of the smoking gun things is like, where's the support? where's the support for the work that they've done together at the very least, even if they don't want to talk about their romantic relationship, which a lot of celebrities don't mm-hmm. talk about the ins and outs of their relationship. But why, why wouldn't he be like, I'm so proud of folklore, which we made together. Like, and wow, I want a fucking grant. We want a Grammy together, like anything like that. Or the Hitlers and like toe stands, they're standards for men are on the floor like they're literally like oh my god taylor liked his post in zero seconds flat that's so sweet and it's like is that really the standard we're holding our relationships to now ladies like let's let's evaluate this like aside from the homophobia let's talk about this because i am worried that they think that this relationship is worth standing and worth shipping when it's like what they give us is crumbs, there's nothing there and it's sad crumbs the bars yeah. the bars in hell yeah the bars truly and in the, hell if if anything that like just tells me that a social media manager that it's like a switched accounts and liked it <laughs> it's like a, it's a bot yeah. yeah it's not you think taylor has the time to like or she posted it in the, like it, it's just or she's sitting yeah, with her like, publicist watching the publicist post it that yes. runs both of their accounts yes. and is like or, and then like or they're it. like it's oh my just... god they went on a hike one time couple goals yeah. like it's like <laughs> and he's wearing jeans yeah. and he's scowling and he's yeah but it's dark jeans and nike's wow so romantic wow. <laughs> like yeah so i want to talk about this blind from december 17th um that said there are some things going on behind the scenes that suggest a little sleight of hand is coming it would tend to also suggest that the first week of january there could be a formal split announcement coming from this a plus list singer in regards to her relationship um and then immediately after that went up on crazy days and nights like there was a flood of engagement rumor like planted pr headlines about joe and taylor joe and taylor in cornwall sparking engagement rumors who's sparking what the fuck like Like y'all are the ones sparking the rumors no one else is talking about it (laughs) and then one month later um nt who posts on crazy days and nights posts again fascinating how one minute the world thinks this a plus list singer and her boyfriend have split and then next thing you know the singer travels to the other side of the globe and then engagement rumors somehow pop up i'm still leaning more towards the split than the engagement um so a lot of people think this could be the year that they finally break up. Maybe it's wishful thinking. I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking. But I'd like to know, where do they live? Like, do they live together? Do we know? Like, I'm thinking of like Brad and Angelina at the peak of their fame. They were as famous as Taylor Swift. They lived in a castle in France for years. They had to have security. They had incidents where they had to throw paparazzi out who were creeping onto the property in full camo. But no pictures came out and everyone knew they lived there together with their kids. Nobody really knows. Do Joe and Taylor spend most of their time in, in which house, in which state are they in London? Like that's all honestly, like Like, no pun intended. That's all folklore. Whoever like is, is reporting (laughs) on them either living in London or being based out of New York or whatever, them living together because she's never said, no one has ever said like if they live together or whatever, she's made so many references to, in the time that they've been together, like being alone in the middle of the night and like waking up in the middle of the night and writing music and, and recording 
weird sounds for reputation in the middle of the night and <laughs> on her voice memos mm-hmm. and stuff. Now I've read every book beside your bed. And, yeah, yeah. Like I think about all of this and I'm like, I'm like, why, why is it hit? Why does he have a separate bed? But, and then I'm yeah. also like, why are you alone? Oh. Why are you always talking about being alone and all this? If you're in this happy relationship, like, I don't think they live together. Yeah. I really don't. And I think that's why she keeps, I don't think so. I think either. she keeps her, her um, privacy and like where she's at. So private because she has like so many stalking cases like literally every week there's a new fucking yes. one that I see um but scary yeah. the, uh, someone just drove into her New York City building yeah. with her inside I yeah. heard yeah. she was there and he was like aside- I have to talk to her <laughs> like it's scary yeah. yeah but aside from privacy concerns which obviously are very you know intense and important and like s- scary and everything just the secrecy around her talking about her relationship it's like you could yeah, you could say, wow, I'm so, like, Joe could say, oh my God, like, I, I'm i so, yeah, I'm so proud of her for, for folklore or whatever, but that never happens, and mm-hmm. if this is this bearding situation, it's very convenient to say, we will never, ever say anything about our relationship, ever, like, so then, all right, then no question, then you, you don't have to deal with any questions and, and inconsistencies, but we yeah. still see all the inconsistencies there. It's smart PR because, mm-hmm. I mean, she purposely picked this up and coming actor who no one knows anything about from a small town in London and with no history that anyone can dig up or like with no, well, there is a history with Mr. Joe, but <laughs> that the public isn't going to dig up the general public and like the media. Okay, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much to Madison from the Archers podcast and Groupon Mom on TikTok for joining us for the full two-hour episode, which is just so good. Go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash it's become a whole thing. I will link everything in the episode description, but go listen to Madison's podcast, The Archers. She also has a Patreon. Follow Sammy at Sammy Whole Thing on Instagram. Follow me. You know where to find me probably by now. Um, that's it. Au revoir, mes amours.